Right at the bottom of the hour, 4.30 on the Sports Saddle, 106.1 ESPN here in the capital city. Welcome back to the show, and we welcome back to the program one of the guys we love to talk with, particularly post-Washington Commanders games. That's Scott Allen from the Washington Post. He's done this several times with us this year, and he does it again with us this afternoon. It feels like more often than not, it comes after a loss, Scott. There's not much we can do about that, but we're going to carve it up again this afternoon. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Bob. Thanks again for having me. And, and yeah, I, I'm not responsible for the product on the field, but uh, I appreciate you having me back anyway. Wait a minute. You're not responsible for one for 15 on third down? Come on, Scott. Take some ownership for this thing. How does that happen, Scott? How does an NFL team go one for 15 on third down? It's unbelievable. I thought two for ten against the Falcons in that ugly win was bad, and then to follow it up with one for one for fifteen. Um, I looking back at the stats in franchise history, they've gone I think three games without converting a single first down, but they've never had as many as fourteen opportunities um, and converted on, only one of those as they did Sunday. It, I mean. In terms of why, I think again it was it was the pressure on Sam Howell. I mean, either the blitzes coming early and often on on first and second down, creating third and longs, or uh, a lot of third down blitzes from from the Giants as well that resulted in sacks. And that's uh, that's no way to go through life as a second year quarterback. No, I mean, how do they fix this? I know that's the million dollar question here. Yeah. But now, now you're combining one for fifteen to keep possession on third down and six quarterback sacks. That's just recipe for disaster, right? As you said, you'll get your quarterback yeah. killed that way. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's kind of hard to uh, evaluate Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy independent of each other. Um, at least when I think about it this year, because you've got the enemy coming from a situation where he had the best quarterback in the game and Patrick Mahomes. And all of a sudden he's got a, essentially a rookie quarterback who started one game last year, second year in the league. Um, and he's tasked with, with coaching him up. And beyond that, he's they've got the aforementioned dreadful offensive line to contend with. Um, so when I'm kind of looking game to game, I'm wondering, okay, how much of this is, Eric Bieniemy not putting Sam Howell in a position to succeed, and how much of it is the play calls are there, and you know Bieniemy's got a, a decent plan, and Howell just can't execute it either because he holds the ball too long or is making the wrong reads. Um, in terms of how to fix it, uh, I mean, I think the just the the armchair quarterback idea. I'm not a play caller, but it seems like you know screen passes have been successful in a few games this year. Um, you'd love to see them get the running game going. That's been kind of non-existent, especially the last four games. Um, quicker reads, shorter passes. And I think it falls on on both Eric Bieniemy and Sam Howell to to find a way to do that against the Eagles. Uh, I guess the positive is that one of Howell's best games of the year came against Philadelphia earlier this year. Ron Rivera was asked if Sam Howell is still his guy this week, and he kind of, sort of said yes, but didn't totally commit to that. Where do you think they're headed at quarterback, Scott? It was such a a weird answer, something Mm -hmm. to be effective. I'm committed to Sam Howell, but you can never predict the future. Like, (laughs) I mean, come on. I I think think they will stick – 
with him, obviously barring an injury, and if he, he remains on pace for 97 sacks this year, he's going to get injured at some point, you would think. Um, but I think the smart move is to stick with him and try to, you know, if you're convinced that he's not the guy for the future through uh, seven games, then by all means put in Jacoby Brissett. I don't know how you can be convinced of that just yet. I think you try to let him work through it, um, have him and Eric Bieniemy try to game plan something that will not result him result in him getting sacked four times a, or more a game going forward. Uh, I just don't know how much there is to gain by putting Jacoby Brissett in there, um, whether that's this week or uh, somewhere down the line. Scott, how was the defense overall? And I know that sounds like a funny question, but it's yeah. only a 14-7 to game. They only gave up the two touches. It just seemed that, you know, Tyrod Taylor seemed, I don't know, a step ahead maybe, and Saquon Barkley seemed to, like they had a lot of chunk plays. They made some mistakes, the turnover, all of that. How do you think the defense actually did perform? I think it's, I mean, if you look at the, the final stats, um, they performed fine. But mm-hmm. kind of the M.O., of this defense, at least this year, has been just awful starts. And yeah, they, they played bad. They played a lot better in the second half against the Giants. But I mean, this was this was a game where you go in. All the talk all week was about how the Giants had, you know, signed one guy literally off the couch a week ago to play one tackle <laughs> position, and then they signed another guy from the Eagles practice squad to pay to play at the other tackle position. They've got a backup in Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. This was a game where, you know, it felt like the defense had to get right. They should have dominated from the start. And instead, they allowed a Giants team that hadn't scored an offensive touchdown since week three, a Giants team that hadn't scored an offensive touchdown in the first half all season, to score two. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it was chunk plays. This is not an explosive offense, even with Daniel Jones in there. And the Giants had six 20-yard-plus plays in the first half. Um, and, yeah, Washington forced a bunch of three-and-outs. They got that key turnover by Deron Payne. that gave the offense one last chance in the second half. But it was too little too late. If, if they had dominated from the start, uh, maybe the outcome's different. Uh, you see it week to week. The focus just doesn't seem to be there um, from the opening kickoff for the defense. Catching up with Scott Allen from the Washington Post, breaking down uh, Washington Commanders against the Giants. We'll get to this week against the Eagles. Hey, hey break down the last play. Uh, you know, what'd you think on the pass to, to <clears throat> Jahan Dotson? I mean, a, a shade behind him, maybe, but certainly a really catchable ball for for a guy who's yeah. who's in a sophomore slump, I guess, this year. Yeah, absolutely, and and Dotson acknowledged that that's a catch that he has to make. I mean, credit to Sam Howell for, you know, that very easily could have been the seventh sack of the game, and mm-hmm. that they would might not even have had that chance, but he, he did a nice job scrambling to his left. The throw's a little bit behind him, but again, Dotson, he, he is in a slump. I mean, he had one target last week against Atlanta, dropped what should have been a touchdown pass. His numbers across the board, I guess he's got more – averaging more catches per game this year, but um, not a lot of yards this year. He's struggled with the drops. Um, I mean, he's made some nice plays. He had the the touchdown catch that, that forced overtime on the final play of the game against the Eagles, but that that's one that, you know, he said he should have caught it. He took that 
drop pretty hard and you know they, they got to hope that he he gets out of it because uh Terry McLaurin needs some help in the, in the receiving game yeah so now what Scott I mean you you mentioned it earlier they actually played one of their better games of the year in the game at at, at Philadelphia I mean uh what do you expect this week in at FedEx Field against the Eagles yeah, I was talking to my editor after I filed my story from Sunday's game, and I said, you know, th- this team, they're going to go and beat the Eagles next week, aren't they? Like, that would just be so <laughs> yeah. commanders, watch the football team, whatever, under Ron Rivera. And then, you know, follow that up the following week by losing 40-10 to 10 against the Patriots or something. And, <laughs> and we're doing this dance again. Um I think it'll be a close game. Actually, I um, I think they they match up well somehow against the Eagles. Uh, I think Sam Howell bounces back to an extent, but I don't think they actually pull out the win. Uh, the Eagles are they seem to be clicking now. I mean, a little bit of a short week from them playing that Sunday night game against the Dolphins. That was a quite the performance. Um, so I think as Washington has after these awful performances in the past, I think they, they find a way to, you know, maybe get people's hopes up a little bit, but ultimately fall a little bit short uh, on Sunday. You used a great phrase. I'll wrap it up with you. You hear what you just said, doing this dance again. How, <laughs> how long is that music going to play for the commanders and this ownership group and this fan base? Yeah. I mean, I'm giving you a big picture blank canvas here a little bit, Scott. Yeah, I, I mean, I think just looking at the NFC playoff picture, it feels like, you know, they're going to get into December with some outside chance that, you know, you make a run and you're right in it. I think, though, the feeling after Sunday's loss, um, you know, Ron Rivera was asked about not use, using his timeouts at the end of the first half to, to force a Giants punt. And he said, I think he said, well, we, at that point, we felt like enough was enough. We just wanted to get in the locker room and talk about it. And I feel like the writing on the wall here is that enough is enough for for Ron Rivera and and Jack Del Rio. I, um, I don't think you you necessarily get rid of Eric Bieniemy um, or start your search for a new quarterback immediately. But I think there will be some, barring some unforeseen turnaround, there will be some major changes in the off season. I don't think Josh Harris, the ownership group, will make. Uh, a coaching change mid-season, but uh, I think there will be some some major changes for for to the front office to the the coaching staff um, come January. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point when you include it the front office in there as well. It, it could start up top and trickle all the way down to the coaching staff um, for sure. Scott, as always, great observations on last week and look ahead to this week. And uh, we'll continue to plow along and keep doing this during the course of the season because we greatly appreciate your perspective. So thank you, Scott. All right. Thanks so much, Bob. Anytime. Scott Allen from the Washington Post covering uh, the Washington Commanders. And I, I agree with him um, I don't think they do anything during the year unless it really goes sideways. I, I think it, if they absolutely have to make a move because it has gone so far sideways, I think they would. But I think their desire is to leave everybody in place for the remainder of the season. But I've, I've kind of been on record already as saying if and when the time comes, and I think it's coming, I, I don't think it's a no-brainer that Eric Bieniemy is the next head coach. I I think this ownership group who did not bring Eric Bieniemy in 
and it's an offense that is not exactly setting the world on fire, and it's all the defense's fault. It's not. Um, I, I think they would go with a clean slate. I, I just do. I don't think they hire, uh, obviously, Jack Del Rio. I don't think they hire Eric Bieniemy. Uh, I think they clean house. Or the only one thing I could see is if Eric Bieniemy wanted to stay and be the offensive coordinator moving forward with a new head coach, maybe. But even that, I think, is a long shot to happening. My gut feeling tells me if they're going to make a change, they're cleaning it all out and they're starting from scratch. And who knows who they're bringing in? I haven't given that much thought at all. It could be a big name, you know, former coach. It could be an up and comer. It could be an offensive genius, quote unquote. I don't know. But my my opinion is with new ownership in there, they didn't hire any of these people. They're going to bring their own their own gang in there when when we get to that point. Um, anyway, again, I don't think it's a, a no brainer that Eric Bieniemy is the next head coach of the Washington Commanders, and if they keep scoring seven points and giving up six sacks a game and going one for fifteen on third down, he's certainly not doing anything to bolster his resume your take is looking better coach. and better yeah how about that right i thought you were crazy i thought that was the worst take you ever gave and now it sounds really good why didn't you tell me that back then huh? i mean i huh? clowned you a little bit i didn't call it the worst <laughs> i mean i called your jacoby Brissett take the worst take of all time so you see, that's true no i'm just you saying that, that like i think the biggest thing against him is the way this running game has done nothing and these guys are all yeah. right they are all right. Yeah, that's that's the best thing you said right there. They are all right, and they're not even showing that they're all right. What did they have? Like seventy-five yards rushing against the Giants yeah. on Sunday. I mean, yeah, I, and I know Dob, uh, Dobson's doing bad, but I I like those other guys, and there's just no reason. Yeah, uh, I, that's what I mean. I, I just think um, I just think they start start from scratch. I, I'm sticking with that. From a it, it was a bad take. Now it's an okay take according to you, my barometer, which is fine. Let's see what kind of take it is as we get towards no, the no. end. No, it's no, it's a great take, and you made it at the best time. We huh. were wrong. You were right. Not yet. Not yet. Let's see what let's see what happens moving forward. I mean, they're three and four. It's not they're not dead in the water necessarily. It feels that way. The sky is falling and all of that. You know, the Giants are still only two and five. Uh, now that's a bad loss. That it, you just it's an inexcusable loss, even on the road, for sure. But they're three and four, and if they should happen to play well Sunday and knock off Philly, you know. Things will settle down a little bit. Now, the Eagles are coming off one of their better performances of the year on Sunday night against the Dolphins. We'll get into that a little bit after the break as well. Um, But the commander stuff from Sunday, there's just some things there that just leave you shaking your head. And now there's talk about who are they going to sign, who are they not going to sign on defense. This thing is getting a little messy in the locker room, in the front office, and certainly with the fan base in D.C. Uh, quarter to five. Let's get a break in here. Come back on the other side. Talk some more football if you'd like or whatever else might be on your mind. 804-327-0888 Sports Huddle on a Tuesday afternoon on 1061 ESPN. 